Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball and the Real World Podcast. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and we've got a good episode today, a two-parter. Two guests dropped in to chat with me this week, and it's been a big week uh, for basketball as we continue to build up to the Women's World Cup. As you're listening to this, we are about a week and a half away from things getting underway in Sydney, a home World Cup. So it's going to be incredibly exciting. We think the Opals are going to be back in medal contention. Their first game on September 22 against France. Of course, you'll be able to catch all the Opals games on ESPN. And the head coach, Sandy Brondello, joined me from training camp on the Gold Coast. Of course, everyone's eyes are on Lauren Jackson. We did talk about LJ uh, but we spoke about the rest of this group as well, including why the WNBA results of this week have impacted the team for next week and some bad news for some of our Opal stars from the WNBA front. But from a biased Aussie standpoint, it helps the Opals out. There's no doubt about that. So it was a fun chat with Sandy Brundello. And then if you've been a fan of basketball in Australia over the course of the last two decades, You've either enjoyed Dave Barlow being on your team or you've been frustrated as with his consistency, his ability to knock down the outside shot, and in general, his ability to be on winning teams. Dave Barlow, uh, don't call it a retirement. We'll get into that, but a transition to coaching with Melbourne United. So I've thought a pretty fascinating chat uh, with Dave Barlow as well. So Sandy Brondello and Dave Barlow today. It's a fun podcast, of course. Head to ESPN.com.au for all your latest basketball news from NBL. The Blitz, not too far away. The NBA is uh, not too far away as well. So ESPN.com.au for all the latest. Let's dive into it. Joining us now, head coach of the Opals and also the New York Liberty. Back with us, uh, always pretty generous with me after I hassle her uh, plenty of time. Sandy Brundello, how are you doing? I'm good, Kane. How are you doing? Are you really doing good, Sandy? Because you've been in camp and you've been going through the playoffs and now all of a sudden you're back in Australia, a week away from a World Cup. Are you are you feeling okay? Yeah, no, I do feel good. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a, a really, you know, I was happy with my first year in New York. Um, you know, we, we lost in the first round, but uh, we made some pretty good progress with a, t- uh, a season that was a lot of injuries. Um, and, you know, just hit the ground running with the Opals. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a great honour to, to coach the Opals and, I'm just excited that we actually have some preparation this time, some real preparation, and we can gear up to our, you know, our World Cup on in Sydney next, uh, very soon. <laughs> uh, all right, we're we're going to get into the Opals, but I think last time we had you on this podcast, I was asking you about the New York job. You said we'll see, maybe I'm kind of interested. And a couple of weeks later, you got the job. So aside from on the court, it's a big change, New York from Phoenix. Yeah. How did you find New York life? Oh, but to be quite honest, um, you know, you never quite sure, but I think coaching uh, Phoenix the year before and, and spending, we had two games back to back in Brooklyn, got to know the the area and I really liked it. And, you know, it's really exceeded my expectations. I think it's a really great city. Brooklyn's not as crazy as Manhattan, um, but most importantly, you know, I, you know, I'm busy there, I'm working. So um, organization is really top class, you know, the, front, the ownership's really invest and they're committed to the success of that franchise. Um, yeah. So, you know, one door closes, another one opened for me with the New York Liberty and very excited about that. And hopefully, uh, you know, a good first season, but, you know, we want to win a championship and that's what the process is now. Just 
trying to, you know, upgrade the roster a little bit and continue to build on what we did this year. Um, all right. So to the Opals, you spoke about preparation, uh, but there was a chance the preparation wasn't going to be that great. I, I, I was talking to Kayla George about this months ago, just looking at the WNBA schedule and a few hours ago. Um, unfortunately, a couple of your your stars, Steph Talbot, Ezzy McBegall, they were eliminated. But it does mean that they're going to be there for the start of this tournament. So it's it's kind of the silver lining for them, I guess. But just as you're a coach, you're trying to plan this. And you would have been hoping that you would have been going all the way further. It's a crazy schedule. How did you... Well, first of all, start with Ezzy and Steph, their situation now that they're going to be with you. How, how does, it's obviously yeah. good. You know, obviously, every time you you compete with a team in the WNBA, you want to play as as far as you can. And and I, I just, you know, preparing this schedule, it's like, you know, obviously that's their commitment, and that was my commitment. But when our commitment was done, we'd be rejoining the Opals. And you know, I spoke to Steph and Ezzy yesterday before this game, just to, you know, okay, you know, good luck. But you know, things don't. It's a win. It's a win. It's a win for us, and then that we get them back on home soil, and and you know they haven't been with the team since February, uh, so it's a great opportunity to get us some chemistry with two really important players for us, um, and that completes our roster out. So, um, oh, you know, always tough to lose, but they've got something else to look forward to, and they'll you know I'll give them a few days off, and and I'll probably have them rejoin us um, Monday in Sydney as we you know, finish that last week of preparation. and But we also, you know, we'll have um, four games as warm-up matches um, before our first game on the 22nd, which is really ideal uh, to help us learn and what we need to do to to make sure we're peaking come first, uh, 22nd. So one of the other players in that team, Sue Bird. So I was thinking about yourself. So you obviously coached Diana for a long time. You would have coached against Sue, and I'm sure that that was a painful experience as an opposition coach. And you've played with Lauren. Now you're going to be coaching Lauren. So you've been around there, some of the greats. But Sue in particular, uh, in the most respectful way, how annoying was it to coach against her for so long? Um, well, I actually played with Sue Bird back right. in the day. About 2000, yeah, yeah, the early 2003. 2000, yeah. So I had that experience of playing with Sue, and, and she was just a young player coming in. I was quite an old player. Um, and you saw her greatness from such a young age. She came in with a lot of hype, obviously, from college and what she did at UConn. Um, but just her IQ, her skill level is quite amazing. And just a, you know, really, she's a fierce competitor, don't get me wrong, but, you know, really quality person too and a great leader. And to see for her to be able to compete at such a high level for 21 years, I mean, hats off to her, taking care of her body. But I think you know, I think it's just, you know, like I said, she had that skill set and that leadership and she's uh, had, had a wonderful career and I was lucky to be able to play with her. But coaching against her, you know, that was always difficult because <laughs> she was very crafty and, and she saw she's like another coach on the court and just her decision making and her court vision was, you know, one of the best at it. Um, but look, she's had a great career and, and I know uh, what comes next for Sue Bird may even be even greater because she's a pretty amazing person. Uh, so this squad, there's a couple of really good... I mean, obviously, there's one story that's taken the headlines, but there's a number of good stories. Uh, Christy Wallace is one that's had a really tough run for a number of years, and she makes the squad. Uh, what stands out to you with some of the new faces? Because there is there is a few uh, new faces to the World Cup stage. Yeah, there is. Well, I think we have a really good balance of experienced players and, and, and some really young talent coming up, and it shows the depth of... Uh, talent that we have in women's basketball in Australia and that's been going on for years and years but I do think this is one of the strongest teams that we've had for quite some time and it's nice that uh, you know obviously Christy's been I, I picked her in February to her surprise 
um, because she would have made the World Cup four years ago before mm. she had these two ACL injuries. And that's how much I thought her as a player. And while she was still getting back her confidence, I think the confidence that she got playing in the WNBA and she's at full strength now is going to be a, a really nice asset for us coming off the bench with her athleticism. So, you know, she went through some really tough years, but her resilience, uh, resiliency and toughness really paid off. And we're, we're happy that, you know, it's great to see her back in the Opals, you know, playing in a major tournament for the first time. And, you know, it's not just her, Annalie Maley's continued to get better and better every single year. And I'm just amazed that someone can offensive rebound as much as she does. She does all the little one percent and she just, you know, she's a someone who can get out there and get us some extra possessions when we need it and, and show something different. But yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, it's a talented group and, you know, obviously we'll talk about Lauren here soon, but uh, I think we have a lot of players that complement each other. Yeah, so Annalie is interesting because I wanted to talk about the, the balance of the squad in general because if you add Lauren, then you've got Ezzy and you've got Tolo. There's a lot of uh, taller players on this squad. Uh, and then you have Annalie, who isn't necessarily as tall as those girls, but rebounds as well as anyone, certainly in the WNBL for sure. So what do, what do you think about the, the balance of the squad when you do add another five in Lauren? It, it does yeah. feel like you're big. Yeah, we are big actually, but Annalie's a perimeter player. <laughs> just yeah, because that's right, she, yeah. yeah, she has to, you know, internationally, I mean, she's very much a perimeter player. Yeah. Uh, WNBA, she can get away with it because of lack of size of of, the, of her opponents. But, you know, we, she's playing as a two and a three here. Um, you know, it's her ability, you know, she can create some athleticism and getting out and run in transition. I think that's a great thing for her, but it's just her possession game that will really, you know, and knocking down some open shots and, um, you know, that will be her key for us. But I think we're well balanced. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had enough scoring power, but we also had enough talent, um, defensive intensity, toughness on that side of the ball. And I think we have, you know, got a good inside-outside uh, balance, obviously, with Lauren coming in. I mean, she adds a, another component to our um, to, to our game. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have these four warm-up games, especially now, obviously, Steph and Ezzy coming back. Because uh, as a coach... You know, I know what it's like in Tokyo, not having preparation and not, not you know, we, we knew, not knowing what we would expect because we hadn't gone through enough adversity on the court to learn and grow together. And I think those four games will certainly allow us to to prepare better and, and to face really quality opponents in the World Cup. Um, how beneficial was New York uh, to get that camp in? Because it's probably pretty rare that you get to do that in the middle of the uh, WNBA season so you have this prep before the tournament but at least having a week and a half there and, and maybe lauren was maybe that was beneficial for you to see that face to face but just the whole group in general who was able to get there yeah no it was great because obviously you know i'm committed i'm coaching the WNBA, which is something that i think makes me a better coach coaching against the best players in the world um but having the support of basketball australia that to allow you know to bring the players over to me and and I was able to bring Canada in and play some games. And I had the, the New York Liberty practice players there available the whole time. It was very beneficial because it was the last selection camp too. And for me to just to get some hands on with them and, and see where we're at, but also just continually to working uh, towards the World Cup with our chemistry. Yes, a selection camp, but we're still trying to gain that, um, you know, what players will work best together and, and playing against an opponent and uh, getting a feel of that, you know, competitiveness against another country and not just ourselves. Um, so it was a really, really great camp. You know, I know the girls enjoyed it. We talked about, you know, getting our culture back to what it used to be. And it's, I think it's, ex 
it's ahead of where it's ever been, even when I played. So we put a lot of time and effort into that. And I, and I really do hope that will pay off um, on our on the court as well. But it, that takes time and effort. And these players have all bought into what we're trying to do here. And, um, you know, and we're, we're gearing up nicely to the start of the World Cup. Um, there was a photo that I think got shared around millions of times. And it was, it was Patty and Lauren. So obviously another athlete that lives in the area. Uh, how did that come about? There's been a little bit about it. How did that come about? And then what what was the the idea of getting getting him in there? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, we both work for the same organisation now. Um, you know, he's with the Brooklyn Nets. And I, I just reached out to Paddy. And, you know, obviously I've known Paddy for a little bit. I don't know him totally well, but I, I admire what he's done. And, and just asked him if he could come along and, and talk about the experiences, what the Boomers did and obviously the development that they had, the culture that they have, which they've spoken about and then winning their first medal, you know, what it, you know, what was the journey like? Um, and it was a surprise to be quite honest. I wasn't sure if Paddy, you know, where he was, but he was actually in Brooklyn at the time. And, you know, I kind of, it was, a, the players didn't know he was coming. So I, I wanted <laughs> to keep it as a surprise. I just thought that was, you know, someone that we all admire. And, and listen to his story, which was really, it was really quite inspirational. And, you know, for me as well. And, um, you know, so there are things that we could learn from the journey that the boomers had had as well. And I think that was really unique. And just for Paddy to spend the hour, probably 90 minutes with us was really, was really special to the players. A lot of these players hadn't met Paddy before, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then he really, he spent the time. He really didn't have that much time, but he spent more time than, than I had asked him to spend and he thought he could allow us. Um, but yeah, we we're very grateful for that. And that shows a lot about Paddy as a, not just basketball player, but as a human being. Yeah. So I, I think, and I think the reason why everyone loved it so much because there was the, and to that point, people knew it was coming, but it was still unexpected to see Lauren there. So when I when I said that we spoke, we didn't even talk about her because it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I spoke to her a few days on the fo- a few days ago on the phone, and I I said that I was slow to come to the party in terms of actually thinking it could happen because it's not just a comeback. I mean, it's completely unprecedented. Like it, it's not a couple of years. So how long did it take you to come around to the idea that it was going to happen? We know how great she is, but it's just never been done. Yeah. I mean, to, to be quite honest, Kane, I, I didn't know if it was possible. Yeah. Lauren called me back when there was this thought in her mind that, you know, you know, obviously she calls me by my nickname, Spag. Uh, you know, she called, can I, can you call me? And I'm like, okay, well, Lauren, <laughs> you know, okay. And, you know, I'm thinking of making a comeback. What do you think? And I'm like, wow, okay. What? For what? You know, you know, to, you know <laughs> playing basketball. I said, look, wow, okay, you've been out a long time. Can your body handle it? Yeah. And and it was more like, Lauren, you know, if you think you can do, why not? Why not try? But at that stage, I was just trying to give her, you know, obviously support and, you know, confidence. She had nothing to lose. And I'm like, why not? I didn't know if it was really possible, to be quite honest, you know, with the injuries that she's had. And uh, this is six years. She's had two children. and um, But credit to Lauren, all the credit goes to her, just to her dedication, her focus. When she puts something to it, that's why she's great separates her from other players she puts her mind to it 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 really is quite amazing and uh we put a you know we had to make sure that we're doing it the right way we couldn't just hand it to lauren jackson just because of her name so we put a really tough you know the performance staff said we had to you know this is a fitness component she had to meet and lauren met him and blew him out of the water 
And then obviously we don't, you know, she, she's modified in her training. We don't go more than three days consecutive. Um, but she's responded quite well and has performed quite well. Now she doesn't, you know, she's not going to be the Lauren or when she was uh, 10 years ago, but the Lauren that she is, it's still going to be very helpful and beneficial for our overall game. So, you know, I'm really proud of her. I'm really proud of her. I'm really excited, obviously, as the coach to have a, a really experienced player like her that who who loves these moments and just talking to her, you know, in between the sessions, just the joy she has about back playing again. You know, when you've done it, something you love for such a long time, that competitive fire is still there. And But she just has fun and maybe she's enjoying it a little bit more um, because her expectations, you know, she's not the greatest player. You know, she is the greatest player of all time, but she's coming back for six six years later. But she's, <laughs> I think people are still going to be pretty surprised of how well Lauren um, is still be able to play after being out for so long. Yeah, I, I could, when she was talking about it and she's like, when I'm on the court, I'll rip your head off and I'm just feeling the intensity there. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder, no wonder you are so good. But then, so you say so she ticks all those boxes and then it's it's obviously, well, yes, you're going to be good enough to be in this squad. Um, she's been pretty open about the fact that yeah, maybe it's it should come off the bench, play whatever minutes are available. If you make it to the end, if my if I've got this right, eight games in ten days, I believe it is. So how do you have a, a plan in terms of there's a back to back to back there? That's a lot. Yep. Uh, do you have a plan for her, or is it just see how she goes and how she feels? No, we don't have a plan at the moment. I think it's about how she goes and how she feels. Quite honest, and that's you know we have performance staff I have a lot of trust in them, and and Lauren knows her body well, but. Um, you know, even if she's playing 15 or 20 minutes, it's, I think that's very doable, even if it's three days in a row, because sometimes practice is harder than those games when you go on two hours. Um, so, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where she's at. Like I said, the games next week will be helpful for us um, just to see how it all works together and who complements it and what our rotations are going to be. But, you know, in the game when there's eight and 10, day, uh, 10 days, it's 12 players are necessary you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, we're having a tough day somewhere. We can throw, we've got other uh, other players who are a little different. You know, that's why I think they complement each other um, quite well. They're just a little different. We need to have more aggressiveness. We can throw our defensive lineup in. You know, we need more shooting and scoring. We've, you know, we can, we have so many different lineups that we can throw out there. Um, so we're excited about that. So we'll just, you know, we'll play it by ear and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully Lauren can, you know, feel good. I mean, I think the biggest thing is what, not that she wasn't being able, she's she, still a basketball player. She's still a great player what she does. It was more can her body hold out and um, and it has today and hopefully it will continue. Um, just, it, I guess, big picture. So this tournament, obviously, but I was thinking about someone like Ezzy who gets to spend this time with Lauren. I mean, where, what do the benefits clearly exceed what she's going to be able to do on the floor. It feels like for me from the outside. Yeah, no, I think it will. Like any time, you know, I think Lauren walks into the room and she gives players confidence. I think it can give us more like, oh, man, there's Lauren Jackson. Oh, gosh. Some people are not, you know, they're not going to know what to expect. You know, someone hadn't played, but obviously she's respected um, being, you know, obviously the GOAT. um, And But I think someone like Ezzy who's, you know, up and coming and still learning and growing uh, and Lauren, will be able to, you know, I think it'll be a great, great mentorship to be quite honest. And, and that's what Lauren really is. I love her. She's being really um, uplifting to all the players. She's just, you know, 
she she uses her voice when we need to be better, but she knows she gives them so much confidence too. And um, and maybe they can grow because she is tough. She's going to bite your head off. You know, that's what yeah. I love about her. I think she's got this, she's really strong and, and physical and, you know, got a shooting touch back. And now it's just getting playing at this level um, day in, day out for, you know, 10 days. Uh, so I mentioned this, or you said that you played with Sue Bird, but you also played with Lauren. Is it is it weird for you? And I mean weird in the best way that that you you are here and she's there and she spoke about how crazy it is to her that she's coming into a training camp. But it has to be unbelievable for you, I suppose. Well, look, Lauren is my friend. Yeah. You know, we've been friends for many, many years and I kind of took her under um, my wing when she was a 16-year-old at her first World Cup back in 1998. <laughs> right. And to think, I mean, so many years later that now I'm her coach. But, I mean, obviously we have a lot of mutual respect. Um, but I don't, it's not actually weird for me because this is what I do and this is what I've been doing for the last 18-plus years since I retired. So I think it's just natural and you know, Lawrence is just a player. She's just another player who I'm trying to help to be the best within the system that we have. So, um, yeah, I don't know if Lauren thinks it's weird. Um, I suppose, you know, I'll, if I get mad at her, I call her by Lauren, not Lauren, <laughs> you know, and, but, you know, she's, <laughs> I need to get my point across. So, I mean, I'm just being who I am and, and I just say the same of all my players. You be who you are and we try and, you know, make sure we're, we're playing together as a team and, and, you know, a selfless team, but playing hard. Um, you know, for a number of reasons, it's been up and down roller coaster, whatever you want to say the last few years, how are you feeling now about where the program is? Because I know there's been a lot of talk after the Olympics, where you want to be, where you want to get to. And this tournament was, was a big focal point. So yeah, a week look, and a half I mean, out. Yeah. You know, look, I'm actually in a great place. I learned so much. Well, I think we all learned so much from Tokyo and a lot of it was uncontrolled, to be quite honest, Kane. Mm. I mean, COVID was a real pain in, yes. I better swear. Still um, is. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it still is. Um, I still haven't had it, by the way. So touch wood. That's, I'm doing a good job with that <laughs> yes. uh, with all my travel. But look, it was it was really hard for us to train and to pre- prepare. You know, we did not prepare. And then, you know, the Liz situation was really disruptive, to be quite honest. And it was, it, it just took us out because now you built your team around this pretty, you know, she's a pretty good, she's a great player, you know, but now we had to change everything in three days, you know. So it was just hard to recruit that. And players that hadn't played for six months because of COVID, not been able to train properly and all that. And then yet WNBA putting it together. Yeah, it was difficult. So I think you just, you learn so much. and. And it was not a fun time, to be quite honest. Um, it was it was pretty uh, dark uh, after Tokyo because you feel, you know, you don't want to fail. You felt like you failed the Opals program, but, you know, it was just unfortunate. So, um, but, you know, we just had to regroup and, you know, focus on what, what we needed to do on and off the court and the culture played a big part for that. And, um, and I think we're just all enjoying the experience and how much fun it is. But, no, there's a lot of hard work ahead of us. We know... Um, it's not easy to win medals and the comp- the league gets better and better. You watch the WNBA, I think everyone's amazed, like, man, these players are so good. This is the evolution of women's basketball. Their skill level, I mean, they're way more skilled than what we were 20 years ago. Um, that's just It's just so competitive and now we're playing against the best, but we've got to enjoy that, com- that, uh, that toughness here and believe in what we're doing and hopefully that's good enough. You know, I... I you know, I believe we should be back on the podium and that's that's what we want to do. That's our goal. But we know 
we need to play our best basketball because every other country is saying the same thing. Well, you've set the bar for yourself high. The program, I say, with the success you've had, and that's that's the challenge, I guess, uh, moving forward for you guys. And uh, I'm going to be up there. I'm looking forward to getting up there and, and, and watching uh, you play over the next few weeks. It's been a crazy month or so for you. So I appreciate the time as always. No, anytime, Kane. Always enjoy talking to you. All right, special episode of the podcast. One of the constants of Australian basketball over the course of the last couple of decades. And certainly as long as I've been watching basketball, this man's been a part of it. Uh, big week. Uh, I would say transition. The transition in Korea for Dave Barlow. Uh, thanks for giving us some time today. And thanks for your career, mate, because... As I said, as long as I've been watching basketball, you've been a part of it, and it's been a pleasure to watch. Uh, thank you very much, and of course, a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, definitely, just feel grateful for for what I've been able to experience. Um, so, if uh, if you're thanking me, well, that's crazy to me. So it's about 24 hours after you did the press conference, and. Uh, Obviously, it's been a busy week for you, and this clearly, from listening to you, hasn't been a rush decision. But uh, how do you feel now that it's out there and you've you've done the press conference and it's public and it's twenty four hours later? Uh, yeah, how do I feel right now? Um, I feel fine. I feel the same. Um, but it has been quite an emotional little twenty uh, four hour period. I've got to say, just because of, um, I guess the the kind of uh, outpouring of love I've received, I guess. And um, I guess in a moment like this, you just really, really consider everything you've been through and all the people that have supported you along the way and how kind of thankful you are. And um, that's just, that's just made me more emotional than what I thought I was going to be. Um, like you said, it wasn't a, a rush decision or, or even was it a, a decision at all. It's just how life goes, things change and, things progress and I was just on my own journey and you know taking the game as it as it comes you know essentially um so it was a little bit unexpected kind of the the emotional roller coaster I've been on over the last 24 hours but um yeah it's been great to be honest I've enjoyed it and so back to sorry that was went off on a tangent there back to the question how do I feel um it's been an emotional uh, 24 hours but now it's back to business as usual, I guess. So you say that whatever it was, it wasn't necessarily that at some point in time you said this is going to be it for you. But at what point did it become clear or at what point did you feel comfortable with yourself that maybe now is the time to push on with the transition? Uh, I knew I was going to move into the coaching staff. I've known that for a little while, I guess. Um I guess it was always the kind of plan to um, to continue on at the club um, in some capacity um, when I was done playing. Um, and I always said, look, I'll play while you need me. Like, if I can contribute to us winning championships, I'll do it. Um, and when the time comes where, it, where it's like, well, you, you may be able to serve us better on the coaching staff or, or in some other capacity, you know, over the years, it kind of evolves to, well, we probably see you as a coach and I, I see myself as one. Um, and I guess it, it got to the point where I was like, well, yeah, you probably can, you can, you can, you can probably 
um, benefit the club and, and our pursuit of you know success in a in a coaching role. That's how it kind of eventuated. Um, but like I said, like I, I'm not. It's not like I'm never going to play basketball again. I, I play in the off season. I trained yesterday. I'm going to play next week in the preseason game. So it's like somewhat of a unique kind of situation <laughs> where I'm like, I'll just, you know, I'm on the journey. I, I don't really care what, what happens right now. I'm, I'm employed as a coach and I love that. And I'm really, really grateful for it. And I think I have something to offer there, of course. Um, but like, can, when did you come to the decision? You know, you're hanging up. Like I didn't just, I'm, I'm on, I'm living life and, today I'm a coach and that's great so first of all I will say hopefully this is never something that that needs to happen because hopefully everyone's healthy but you are are you going to be or is there any chance that you would be an injury replacement player anyway so basically I'm getting to the point for all those Melbourne United fans that love you and love watching you play is there at least even a small percentage chance that they could see you play again yeah of course like uh let me just Sorry, get this right. I'm a coach. I'm I'm a part of the coaching staff of Melbourne United, yeah. and I'm super super thankful for that. And um, and I look forward to to all the the enjoyment, all the challenges that that, that is going to provide. Um, but I've I've been playing. I trained yesterday, and I and I'm always there to help the team in whatever way I can. Um, and like right today, it's the coach. But tomorrow, if there is an injury, and it and it so happens that my services are required in that area. Well, of course, I'll do that too. Like I, you know, I'm open to anything. And <laughs> again, I, yeah, that's why I, I don't. I don't really love like the closed, yeah, kind of stuff. Like you know, life just goes, and you're on the journey, and whatever happens, happens. Uh, so from the outside, if I look at you, you still look in incredible shape. So, and you played and you played NBL one, as you said, and you've been doing a bit of coaching there as well. So uh, what kind of shape is the body in? Because again, you spoke about this yesterday at the press conference. There was a period a couple of years ago where perhaps you weren't in the best shape and you've had really a a solid stint in the NBL after that point when maybe some people thought you weren't going to play. Yeah. How do I feel? I mean, I mean, I'm not like 20 years old anymore, um, (laughs) but I've had a, a reasonably lucky run with injury over the last six months. So I feel like I'm in reasonable shape to play. I had a bit of an unfortunate run probably last year with a, just a variety mm-hmm. of uh, little injuries that kind of set me back as is part of sports. That's just what happens. And I happen to have a variety of things that kind of put me out of the game for, for weeks at a time. So I kind of struggled a bit there. And I guess in a way that kind of contributed to, you know, the, the, the question of where can where could I help the team the most, and the answer being well on the coaching staff. I think obviously that plays played a part, and that performance plays a part in in every athlete's life. Um, and back to your question, how do I feel now? I feel I feel good now, and I'm happy to again contribute wherever I can, whether that even be as a coach and on the court in training, trying to teach from that somewhat unique kind of perspective of an on court teacher. Or in the the wild circumstance arises where an injury occurs, and I and I need to help out there. Of course, I'm more than happy to do that as well. Uh, for yourself, coaching always something you saw a transition to, even when, as you speak about when you were younger, something that's come up in the last <laughs> portion of your career. When did that start to creep into your mind as something you you knew that you wanted to pursue? 
Uh, yeah, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Hawley about this, and I never really pondered that question. Um, but when I was younger, I didn't see myself as a coach, and I was strictly intent on being the best player that I could possibly be. Um, being the hardest worker and the best player was really, really where I found my motivation. And then as I got older, obviously team team success and and what it takes to win a game of basketball and to, to win a championship essentially um, year in and year out became kind of the primary driving force. Um, and with that, you know, the all the principles of teaching and coaching and, and leadership and, and, and culture and, an understanding of the variety of things that go into being a successful club. Um, I became incredibly passionate about um, and over the last few years, even more so. Um, and along that journey, I definitely um, felt that coaching was in my future. Um, and how long has it been kind of a, a, a 100% certainty in my head that I would want to go into coaching a, a couple of years, I would say, but yeah, out of the, the 20 years, it's been definitely the minority of time. Where does Dean uh, fit in that conversation or again, I keep saying transition, but that transition as well. He always talks about players being in a position where they can improve themselves and move into what we've seen it a number of times with the NBA, but he's also spoken about leaders what people do off the court. So where does Melbourne United and Dean fit in that for you? Uh, well, Dean has been huge for me. Um, prior to the, the the whole coaching piece, just his ability to kind of turn our club around and um, give us all the opportunity to participate in this, the, the, the success of, of our club. Um, in large part is thanks to him. And then in terms of my personal journey from player to coach, he's definitely been a huge part of that. And I'm incredibly grateful to him for kind of offering me this position, um, seeing something in me um, and allowing me to be the best version of myself, not only as a player, but um, now and into the future, hopefully a coach. Um, yeah, obviously it, it, a lot of it comes down to him. So I'm, I'm incredibly thankful and, um, I really, really believe that I have a brilliant uh, teacher and mentor in him. You've obviously played under plenty of coaches. What what separates him? What makes him unique? Because what you've just said is, again, you hear it from everyone that's been a part of that club. Uh, I mean, everybody's different. I have been lucky to play for, for a lot of really, really great coaches. And I've played for a, a long time under Dino and of so many things make, make him unique as, as many things make everyone unique. Um, I mean, I could, I could talk for, yeah. for, for ages about, about, about him and, and how great he is in kind of all aspects of, of the game of culture, um, of leadership. Um, yeah. I think it's, that's a kind of, a a, a a podcast or a, a, a novel or a series of no novels in and of itself, uh, to be honest, but he's brilliant and I'm incredibly thankful um, for him. I mentioned the five titles, or if I didn't mention the five titles, you've won five titles. The first one, you were 21. The last one, you were 37 uh, or 21-ish. This is about right. So I want to say 20. That's it. That, that fits into this question even better. So when you win a title when you're 20 years old and then you win the title when you're 37, 
I'm sure yep. you have special memories of all of them, but uh, what changes in that span in terms of what's to come, perhaps how you enjoy winning and understand how difficult it is to have success because you did have plenty of success early in your career. Yeah. Um, I think actually failure kind of through that like injury riddle, say middle portion of my career made the success later on all the more enjoyable as I, I kind of gained a better understanding of just how difficult it is. I mean, and how fortunate you have to be to be part of like a winning franchise. Um, so they were all great and, and maybe recency bias is a part of this. Um, <laughs> but I definitely gained a greater appreciation of what it takes to be successful the longer that I played. Um, so the, the, the latter championships of my career were, I, I, I think again, again, I don't know if it's recent advice, but I think they were more satisfying. Um, I was, I was really lucky in the f- first portion. I think I made the grand final every single year that I played before I went to Europe, I was in the grand final one year I missed through injury. And we happened not to make the grand final that year, but every season I finished, I was in the grand final. And it was just like, this is, this is just how life goes. You know, you, you play basketball, you make it to the grand final. Um, then you win some and you lose some. Hopefully you win, you win more than you lose. Um, and then I went to Europe and I came back and it was like, well, hang on, this is not as, not as easy as what, what it used to be. And that journey to kind of, um, well, as an, as an individual to participate in, but as a club to kind of become a, a, a year-in-year-out contender for the championship was a really, really difficult one. But it made, like I said before, it made those championships so, so enjoyable. And United put up a whole bunch of photos of your career yesterday, but the photo that stands out to me was the one with your kids on the court after uh, 2021. So, And I, I believe one of your kids was just on your lap. So... What, how does that change your career and how you approach the game and maybe uh, how much you enjoy having a moment like that? Uh, it completely changes your outlook on life, as I'm sure many parents can attest to. Uh, I spoke earlier about how lucky I have been to have my wife, um, Tiwi, by my side, like my whole career. And I've always been somewhat of a perfectionist and like really, really... Um, intent on success and at and at times especially in my youth when you know things wouldn't go my way on the basketball court maybe I'd feel like my you know my life was falling apart but she always kind of grounded me in that regard and without her I, I probably would have been a mess but um having children uh like really takes that understanding of you know what is important in life to another level um so I think they've just I mean I, I'm sure every parent says this they've just been <laughs> like such an, an amazing, an amazing, um, amazing thing. And as it, in regards specifically to basketball, um, I think to not be so wound up on whether the ball goes, goes through the hoop or not can sometimes be of great benefit to performance. And um, I mean, in that way, the kids have been, been great for me, but like, that's the least important thing in life. Like who cares? Like my kids are bloody brilliant. I love them to death and I'm, I'm so incredibly fortunate they made my life on the court a little bit easier as well. Yeah, I was talking with Lauren Jackson last night and she said a similar thing. She said, well, if I'm playing basketball, yeah, I want to kill you. I want to win the game, but I can't go home and 
cry about what happened on the court or I can't go home and, and be pacing around the house for hours on end anymore. So to that point, I suppose the maybe the mental side of it becomes easier to handle with because you just have something else to, to obviously important and more important to occupy your mind. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's essentially what I was trying to say. I'm sure she put it more eloquently than me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I used to use, I used to dwell on poor performance or singular mistakes for days on end, but now after a game or uh, yeah, a failure of any kind, it's really out of my head fairly quickly, just because my, my family life is kind of all encompassing when, when I come home. And that is an absolutely beautiful thing. Uh, everyone always talks about how the NBL's changed over the last little period. And clearly it feels like it's going as well as it ever has. Uh, what do you notice? What's the big things for you when you, again, you think to the, the early days with Sydney, which by the way, the, at that point, the NBL was coming out of what previously everyone said was the golden era. Now it's obviously bouncing back really well now, but what, what do you notice, whether it's on the court or the whole package? I feel like the, the league's in a really great place. I think the level of talent is really, really high. I think it there has been times in in my throughout my career where I've thought the same, but we just hadn't had that um, level of, you know, public interest, I guess. And I think what the league has done, you know, over the last few years has, has been amazing from you know, the rebrand years ago to um, the, I guess, uh, desire to 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 bring as much talent whether local or foreign to the league um to to expand to to more cities um to create a better product in in every way the professionalism um from top to bottom i think has come on leaps and bounds and and you see the results and i guess i'm i'm really thankful i i i Again, I'm I'm a player. I'm now a coach. I'm um fairly entrenched in in Melbourne United as a club, and I don't know the ins and outs of what happens behind closed doors of the NBL. But I'm assuming they're doing something right, and I'm quite thankful to them for making um the league and basketball as prominent as it is today. And I and I look forward to the future where we can go from hopefully strength to strength. We get sidetracked by one question that I wasn't planning on asking, but you you obviously understand the nbl one landscape or certainly nbl one south so when you talk about expansion everything they've been trying to do uh, you you feel like the talent in australia right now is it would be able to handle another team an 11th team potentially a 12th team over the course of the next sort of five years uh yes i do i don't know i don't know how much to i can expand on that absolutely yeah yeah no it's, it's an interesting question because some people um but clearly with the way the NBL has been going and you, you guys had a great regular season at Sandringham. Yep. Uh, how do you find uh, being obviously a pretty prominent part of that league? And again, that's been a part of your coaching uh, launch pad, I guess, as well. Uh, sorry, what was the question? So how have you found the, the growth of the NBL one and, and obviously oh, the expansion right across Australia and, yeah, and the way I that's been? That is, I think that's brilliant. I, I know this is a small thing, but like, I love the name. <laughs> like how much does that play a part in the success? Probably not too much, but I, for whatever reason, I just think it gives it some sort of a legitimacy um, among the, um, you know, junior basketballers or the wider basketball community. I'm not sure, but, but mm-hmm. I like it. And I like how it's kind of unified the country. Um, and now, uh, the, the 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 national um, you know tournament which will occur you know in a couple of weeks kind of like 
everyone is united under the one banner. And I really, really like that as far as the league that I was um, playing and coaching in the NBL one South, I think it's a, a really, really great league. Like almost every week you're coming up against a team that has NBL current NBL or former NBL talent, import players, um, great coaches, um, it's a really, really great off-season league. And from my personal experience with my my junior club, um, Sandringham, uh, I, I loved it. And I think I have a great group of guys. And yeah, like you said, we had a, had a great regular season. I'm not super happy with NBL1 for scheduling the playoffs in a FIBA window, um, which kind of um, didn't help us in the last couple of weeks, but uh, loved the journey. And I'm looking forward to, to what next year has in offer for sure. Uh, playing for Australia? Uh, two Olympics, three World Cups. Any one of those tournaments in particular stand out to you? Uh, yeah, the, the most recent one. Again, yep. it's been a long, a long time, and maybe I've, I've, my memory doesn't serve me as well as what it should. But um, <laughs> maybe it was because I, I, I was a regular member of the, the national team, and then you know injuries started to occur, and then all of a sudden it's like you're not, you're not, you're not on the team anymore. Um, and to go through that process of kind of fighting so hard to regain health and then being able to do it and be able to kind of get back to some sort of form. Um, and then I guess doing well enough to have my name in contention for selection for a, a major tournament and then for it to happen. That was a, a wildly satisfying journey. But um, I guess in that kind of time period where I was away, there was a, a shift in kind of, I guess, I guess, growth and development and performance of the, the young kind of group that we had a while back. And as well as the kind of, um, not so much the culture, but I guess the professionalism of the, the whole setup. And I kind of saw it previously and then came back into it. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, I just considered myself so lucky to be back in that environment. Um, and then the tournament um, itself, um, and the way we played and like, I didn't even play much, but just being part of it. And I was like, this is just the best basketball that I've ever seen. Um, and I felt we were like a gold medal team personally. I think, you know, if things had gone slightly different, we would have won gold at that, that tournament, whatever things happen. That's the nature of sport. But um, that was the most satisfying for me. It was just a remarkable group of people um, both on and off the court and I'm like I'm so grateful to have been part of the Australian team for 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 all of those moments but that last one was just man it was so cool yeah so 2008-2012 uh you guys had a lot of the names that ended up becoming the absolute regulars or the household names of Australian basketball and now it feels like to your point the last year's Olympics you have this new wave coming through and it feels like that's just, that's just the benchmark now because of the popularity of basketball. And you were a part of the team that kind of bridged the two eras. It felt like you had the 2000, 2004, and it's the back end of gaze and heel and all those guys. Uh, but you've also watched all those guys, Patty Mills, Andrew Bogut, as they've progressed through and you understand as well as anyone what the boomers program is like. So do you feel from what you've seen and you were a part of it in 2019 now, that these guys, it's just, they're carrying on. They're going to carry on the tradition, the leadership, the culture, all those things that everyone talks about. 
into the future and because it feels like Australian basketball is in as good a place as it's ever been. Oh, absolutely. I have, I feel as a, like a basketball, like fan of basketball, a lover of the game. I couldn't be more content with the players that we have, like flying the flag for our national team, like Patty, Joe, Delhi, Bainsey, CG, all, <laughs> Jock, all those guys, like Nick K. Um, and then like the, the new guys coming through, obviously they're all incredible. And that whole culture team, it's just like anyone who has just had the brilliant fortune of being a part of that would say exactly what I'm saying. It's just like, it's the best thing in the world. And do I feel, com yeah, absolutely. They're, they're all elite and they're just, it's the best thing ever. And again, I'm, it's like, yeah, you, I won championships and I, I, I played for a long time, but being part of the, boomers team is like I'm, I'm so thankful uh just a couple more before we wrap this up so the team usa games uh where does that sit in the memories you have so the ones at, at marvel stadium yeah uh pretty well definitely a unique experience and certainly something that uh has not happened here before uh yeah so i got called into the team late um so I didn't um, participate in the camp and then they went to Perth, I want to say, to play in a game against Canada. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, I got called up to the team and it was like <laughs> a couple of days before the Team USA games at Marvel Stadium. So again, like I said, I, I hadn't participated in the like the a, a major tournament Australian Boomers team um, since the, the, the London Olympics. So I'd been kind of like a seven year gap and I walked into like a, a completely different level of professionalism. Um, and it just so happened it was like in Melbourne, games at Marvel Stadium against Team USA. It was, it was a wild, wild experience. Um, it was awesome. It was so wicked, like playing in front of 50,000 people. Um, the way that we, I, we were taken care of as a team, I think it was, for me, it was next level. Like I loved it. Um, and then to win that game in like we, we lost game one and then game two uh, we won and like 50,000 people chanting MVP for Patty at the end of the game and beating team USA and, and just having the feeling of we're about to go to a world cup and we just beat the best team in the world. And we got a chance to win. Oh, I remember Bogut actually huddled us up on court after the game and was like, this is not like, we're not here for this. This is great and all, but we're like our, our goal is to win gold. And everyone was like, yes. <laughs> and I'll, oh, this is awesome. And, and the the boomers have a, a, a tradition of singing a song in the locker room after victory. And uh, I remember that under the, in the locker room at Marvel Stadium just being an incredibly like um, passionate version of that song. And it was uh, how many times I'm going to say this? Like I'm so fortunate, I'm so lucky. Like, but I am like I have so much. Like I'm so thankful. And those that whole thing, it was so elite, so elite. Uh, so just quickly on Melbourne United this season. So uh, you guys are no strangers to having the roster turnover. And again, this year you lose Jack, you lose Dally, and they move on to or move back to the NBA in Dally's case. Uh, what's the difference in in this in the personnel? Um, I think we saw last year, you know, clearly anytime you lose CG in a playoff series, it's going to be problematic. Yep. Uh, but what do you see? Now, from, from the coach's perspective, what do you see from this Melbourne United roster 
uh, that can get you back to at least the position you were in last year to give yourself a shot? Um, well, I'm really, really excited about the the team that we've put together, and I I look forward to the journey um, of the season um, and and everything that you know, a journey towards hopefully a championship has to offer. Um, what do I see? I guess as everyone else would, uh, like a high turnover of players, which kind of like over the last few years we've had reasonable, like pretty good continuity, which is like a real luxury um, to have um, for a variety of reasons. I'm sure they're fairly obvious, but um, in the very, very early stages of of this preseason, we've brought in like a, a group of incredibly talented and um, competitive and good people. Um, and and so far, uh, practices have been have been great. I've, again, from changed to becoming a coach in some session, our training in some sessions, um, it's essentially business as usual, but with uh, probably slightly more teaching required, given like a slightly higher turnover than what we're used to. Um, so I guess that that's what that's what I say. Well, that's as much as I want to tell you that I see to be honest. <laughs> That's totally fair. All right, last one. And it, might, it feels like it could be just a silly question, but uh, yeah, we'll see what the future brings. But do you feel as a player uh, fulfilled? You don't feel like you left anything on the table. You feel 100% happy and uh, you know, appreciative of, of where you are at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. I think like like I said earlier, it's like I, I don't consider myself um I'm not that type of guy that just wants to make a big deal out of anything. Yeah. Like I'm hanging them up or you know, I'm whatever. I just life is what it is. Whatever happens, happens and try to enjoy it as much as you can and try <laughs> your heart whatever capacity, you know, you it, it, it may be. Um am I content? of with what i've achieved as a player oh absolutely i'm i've had a wicked journey man like it's been awesome um and been way way longer than like most people you know get so like i'm super lucky but yeah i'll never close the door on anything it's like i think some people say like they retire retire like i'm 38 years old Am, am I 38? I don't know. I've lost count, but yeah, I'm 30, <laughs> like, I'm going to work. I'm going to have a job somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> like I'm, whatever it is. But some people say like, oh, I'm retired and I like to think I had some left in the tank. Well, that will never be me. I'll play until I die. And if someone wants me to play for them, I'm playing for them. If someone wants me to coach, I'll coach too. Um, and I'll never not never not be content i tried my hardest i'll always try my hardest and if the opportunity arises again i'll try my hardest and if it doesn't i did try my hardest so yeah i'm, I'm happy as hell and i'm so so lucky well i love it and given the facts you said a couple of times you don't love all the fanfare that you've probably received over the last couple of days i have to apologize for making you do this podcast but it's bloody entertaining for me so uh, i thank you at the start it's been a pleasure pleasure chatting with you today and uh well we'll see you we'll see you in a few weeks anyway you're not going anywhere all right brother thank you very much 